0: Uh, That video is in reference to the Life Action Summit that is actually coming to our church November 3rd to the 17th, and we want to keep that on your radar. And I want to say a couple of things just about the wisdom of this process that the video was talking about. So I think a lot of us have had the opportunity to maybe go away to a camp or to a retreat, a place where you could actually focus and concentrate um, for spiritual breakthrough. And a lot of times those seasons of, you know, retreat and concentration are some of the high points in our life spiritually. They lead to spiritual breakthrough. However, when you come back from those kinds of experiences, one of the downers is that a lot of times the rest of the church, the rest of your church family, has no idea what you're talking about. And it's hard sometimes to sustain the momentum that you get from one of these mountaintop experiences um, when you're back home. Well, what if it were possible to not have to go away to the camp or the retreat, but to have the camp or the retreat come to you. That's what a Life Action Summit's all about. It actually brings that concentration and that focus to one singular church. And it's done in a way that involves the whole church family. So every part of the church gets specialized teaching in a way that integrates with the whole. So the kids are learning the same things that the adults are learning. Um, the relational like dimensions of our lives are being explored alongside of the individual and personal ones. And so when you put all of that together, the impact is deep, it's lasting, and it can be built on you know, as a whole congregation. So plan towards that November 3rd and 17th. Um, you'll start to recognize as you go through the first few nights of that summit um, the power of what I'm talking about. But the tragedy is when some folks pre-decide not to because of the dauntingness of the schedule or just whatever it may be, and then they find out after the fact that, wow, there was something that could have transformed for a lifetime, you know, my family, my life, and I've missed it. I'm on the tail end of it. So at least plan on coming through that first Wednesday night so that you can see whether I'm lying or not to you about this, because it really is a powerful experience, okay? November 3rd through the 17th. Now, we're in this, we're in the midst of a series, the third week, called Heads Up, Um, and it's about technology, but it's about more than that. It's about the underlying principles of technology, because what we're saying here is that technology is awesome. It's here to stay. Um, You know, I've got an iPhone not too far from me where I can see it so I don't get too anxious. No separation anxiety. It's right there. Um, We need to be wise in the way that we use all things. That includes technology. And so we've been looking at this key verse from Ephesians 5. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And so, what we've been saying is like part of our generation, part of what it means to be alive in this generation, also to follow Jesus in this generation, is the use of our technology. But we don't want to do it thoughtlessly or in unwise ways. We want to take an audit to think carefully about whether the technology actually is leading us forward towards our life's purpose, towards the thing that, things that matter to us most and are leading towards love, right, in all, all things that we do. And so we're taking this season to do an audit. And Pastor Dan's led last week, and he gave us some principles to sort of begin asking some questions about our technology use. And so he asked the questions from the scriptures. Uh, is this something that is best, the way I'm using technology? Is it building my life? Um, is there any dimension to it that's actually putting me into bondage? Is it binding me? And, and that three-question litmus test can begin to unpack anything in our lives to see whether it's balanced and centered in ways that are leading to life. Um, and so we're going to continue that series um, today. Now, Pastor Dan asked us last week, he, he asked us, is media distracting me from my core attention to God? That was the question that he left us with. Remember that? And he left, he left us actually with a practice. To try five minutes of slowing and of silence, where we waited before the Lord and just asked Him the question, "God, do you want to say anything to me as I put my attention on You?" Now, how many of you tried that at least one time this week? That you took five minutes. Okay. Um, did you ever? Did you know that five minutes could be that long? Um, and we have to we have to like sort of be gentle with ourselves because the the purpose of this practice. Um, isn't so much to check it off like on a, on a list, it's to become aware of our attention. The fact that our attention is flowing all the time, and a lot of times it's flowing in ways that are not directed. And we're going to talk about that more in a, in a minute. It's being captured by other things, okay? And, and so uh, we're going to uh, dive into that a little bit this morning and ask the question, why is our attention so important? Not only to God, but to every aspect of our life. Why is our intention important? And I'm going to give you my sermon here in a sentence, if you like that. Um, Here's the the sermon in a sentence. Attention is the ignition key of your mind. Attention is the ignition key of your mind. It's the starting place. It's the building block of every other aspect. And remember that being conscious, being a conscious human being, and able to reflect on our own existence, but also to give our love and our focus to God and to others, is the sum of the law and the commandments, where Jesus told us in Matthew 12 to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, strength, and what? Our mind. Because attention is the initial key of your mind. It's, It's related to every other thing, and we'll see that here while it's so in a minute. So I'm going to give you four or five principles here about why your attention is so important. The first is this: you become what you think about. So Proverbs 23:17 in the King James translated this way: "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." Now this is uh, this is being borne out in neuroscience. Where what we're seeing from our brains, as, 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 as it's being studied, is this very fact. That attention, what we give our attention to, actually forms the foundational wiring, the interconnection that's related to well-being, it's related to every other aspect of our life, it's, it's related to our relational ability with others. It's all being triggered by our attention. Now, isn't it amazing that, the, that an ancient text that comes from God, like predating all this technology, told us this at the very beginning? that as our thinking goes, so goes our lives. Actually, out of, and now, now we know this at a very biological level. Now, here's the thing that I want to warn you about. Screens capture our attention. There's a reason that your television screen changes images every 2.3 seconds. That, that reason is intentional because the people who made that programming know that our mind is hardwired for stimulation, and so one of the reasons that media captures our attention is that some very smart, intelligent people have been working long hours to capture yours. Does that make sense? And so we talked about this before when, in our discussion, but your social media the, the, the political machinations you know, that are on our news networks, like all these things, understand that they are fundamentally not in the news business, they are not in the entertainment business, they are in the what business? The attention business. And every single one of us has a for sale sign hanging over our heads right now with the major technological like commitments of our entire society all vying for one thing: your attention. Isn't that amazing? If we don't realize that, we simply will live a reactive life, dominated like pawns, at a very biological level, to become slaves to what we think about, right? and. God's intention for you is way, way more than that. Um, he has something incredible in mind for you that runs through your mind. Okay? And so he's telling us, be careful what happens to your most precious commodity, which is your attention. That's why the practice last week, if you didn't do it, you should revisit it because it was so fundamental because what it helps you do in distilling yourself daily is to recognize, oh my word, there is ceaseless flow that runs through my mind. Most of the time, I'm conscious of it, and when I try to direct it, I find it runs in millions of different directions because it is untrained. You follow what I'm saying? If we don't develop that awareness of our attention, We never get past step one because what the Lord is saying to us is that what we think about is fundamental to who we are. Number two, good news. You can direct your attention. Now all of us are coming from different places in life. We've had different experiences. We have different backgrounds. We have different different ability. Some of us Life, we would say, has gone very well. Some of us would say it's gone very poorly. Some of us are bleeding over things. We're burdened with things. We've been been wounded by things. But here's the fundamental truth at the very core of your existence. No matter who you are or what has happened to you, God has given you the ability to direct something that's internal and fundamental to you, which is your attention. You can direct your attention. Every single person in this room has a choice about what they will pay attention to. And the scripture, again, in its incredible wisdom, it's the Apostle Paul speaking, actually taps into this freedom to give us this command. Second Corinthians 10.5. Take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Now, do you know what every means in the Greek? For you Bible scholars here, it just means every. Like, like, like the Apostle Paul saying that the hinge point, the ignition point of your life with God and ultimately everything else is going to run through your mind, through your thoughts, and your singular mandate is to become aware of your thoughts and to take them captive To obedience to Christ. Because God wants a relationship with you, and that relationship is interactive. He cannot have that relationship with you if he does not have your what? Your attention. See what I'm saying? So he loves you. He wants to to meet with you. He He wants to revolutionize your life. However, you must choose, no matter where you are, what your story is, to begin at the smallest level, which is what are you going to do with your thoughts? Are you following me? Okay. Now, warning. Screens encourage dependence on external stimulation. Now, we see this probably most clearly in kids, right? The easiest way to babysit a kid is to do what? Put a video in, give them an iPad. Why? Because the screens are designed to capture from the outside what? Attention. And it does a great job for a while. But here's the problem. Well-being, peace, is intrinsically related to the ability to direct one's attention from the inside out, not to have one's attention captured from the outside in. Outside in attention is slavery and leads to discontentment, misery, and incredible anxiety. We'll talk about this in a second. Inside-out attention leads to peace, joy, love, okay, and all the things that the Bible talks about as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Scripture is keying us. So incredibly important that we capture our attention and make it obedient to the core commitments of our lives. Firstly, our relationship with God and then to others. Okay, Number three, God is actually seeking your attention. Now, we talk a lot about the duty of things like you and me to give our attention to God, but have you ever stopped to ask the question, what actually does God want? You ever asked that question? What does he want from you? What does he he want from life? What does he want? And I would say that God is seeking relationship with us. Like he could have set it up in any different kind of way where he forced human beings to be his friends. But think about it for a second. Can you force Friendship? Can you force love? Fundamental to love is freedom, right? And so what he wants out of life, what he wants from you is actually your love. He wants your friendship. He wants your connection. He's seeking, in fact, by saturating the world with himself. He's setting up signposts and invitations all through your life to invite you over and over and over again into freedom of connection to him. He wants your heart. See what I'm saying? Christianity ultimately is not about a set of rules that are do's and don'ts. It's a love story that is keyed by our human choices from love and from freedom with a God who is pursuing It's a romance, and God is seeking our attention. Now, this is beautifully illustrated in a kind of a, the backstory to a familiar story. So let me read this for you in Exodus chapter 3. This is from the story of Moses, and I'll read the first four verses, first four verses. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement, because though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. Now note this, when the Lord saw Moses coming over to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, this is a pivotal moment in the life of one of the, the, the most important figures in the Bible. Okay? He's been kicked out of his royal adoptive home in Egypt. He feels like his life is over. He's on the backside of a, of a desert tending the sheep of, a, of his father-in-law. And God is about to call him into an amazing redemptive like, journey that's ahead, right? To help deliver the people of Israel from Egypt and to launch the major metaphor like of our salvation, right? Which is, which is like freedom from Israel, for eat from Egypt. And all of it is pivoting on a man who is walking through a desert when a bush catches on fire, okay? Now, let me tell you what is not amazing. What is not amazing is bushes catching on fire in deserts. How would, you, how would you agree with that? Like, in a desert, what is the likelihood of a bush catching on fire? It's probably pretty, pretty frequent, right? Pretty frequent. What is amazing is that Moses notices that the bush is not burning up. Now, let me ask you a question. What would have happened to Moses if he had an iPhone? I'm serious. The likelihood is that Moses would have walked right past the bush. Uh, in fact, let me let me show you a video of uh, of kind of like what happens to us in our daily life. Really? Really? It's time for a phone to save us from our phones. When God saw Moses turn aside... The scripture says what? He spoke to him. You see, God is putting signposts all over the world that he's made and all around us all the time. They're invitations to love him, to know him. He's seeking our attention. Now here's the thing that you should know about screens. Screens are actually diminishing our sensory awareness. So it's called situational awareness, like how memory actually works is through our five senses. So memories are deepest when you can see, hear, smell, feel, taste, and experience. But what happens to a people in a culture who have their heads down, who are mediating all of their life experience through a device? I want to show you a picture. Um, this is a, group, uh, a bunch of groupies waiting for a celebrity to come out of a, of a building. Okay, they've been there for several hours. Um, what do you notice? The celebrity's just walked out. Okay, nobody's looking at the celebrity, right? They're all, they're all mediating. They're, they've waited for hours, and they're missing the moment. Totally not present. They're mediating their experience. Now, one step removed from the phone. Guess what's not happening? They're not, they're not seeing. You see what I'm saying? Except for one lady, right? Thank God. Now the truth is, she has no idea who the celebrity is, <laughs> right? Like, no. but she, but thank God for the wisdom of one person in a crowd who is still present to life. Now, here, now here's from a biological standpoint. Let me tell, now. This is super important. Do you realize that if you were to, if you wanted to create a scheme to unleash a living death, you couldn't have a better scheme than what we've got going right now, because if If your sensory memory doesn't register, you go through an entire lifetime and guess what you've missed? Your actual life. Your actual life. So God is seeking your attention. He's saturating the world with signposts. He's inviting your friendship and your love. But he will not force you. If you choose to put your head down, If you choose not to attend to your attention, if you're not aware, you will miss the purpose of your life. And you will miss the God of your life. Okay? Now, number four. Change happens by attention. Now, I wish that I could take like 20 or 30 minutes right here because I'm so excited about it to tell you all about what's being discovered in neuroscience. But let me just boil it down to this sentence. Your brain and its plasticity, its ability to to change from whatever state it is now, is triggered, ignited, and shaped by attention. So as you attend... Something different than what you're attending to now, and you tend into the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment, your brain literally rewires itself in the direction of integration, in the, in the direction of peace, in the direction of joy, in the direction of relationality, or it will do the opposite. It will disintegrate. Okay? And all of that brain research actually was known and like pre, what do, you, what do you call it, pre-released thousands of years before in one sentence from Romans chapter 12, right? Where the Apostle Paul just goes, be transformed, so be changed, by the renewing of your what? By your mind. Okay, so, so again, the biblical wisdom, like God is after the, the best possible life for us. Abundance, Jesus said he came to bring it. He knows, okay? And so he's saying, your screens, are, your screens are impacting this. You're, it's changing you. Right, and I'm going to tell you in two fundamental ways how change and attention have to be directed. If you don't pay attention, like Moses was, to the good and the beautiful in the world around you, if you don't pay attention to the good and beautiful, your mind will be a world of worry. Now look up here for a second. How many of you know that anxiety is a big problem in our, in our world today? Okay, like, pretty much what I do is so I talk to people with anxiety, okay, and I'm not disparaging that. Want to be in that conversation. My daughter's uh, class, okay, so the, the, the class that came in, in to, this year, 2019, you know what they're calling this class? The anxious generation. Okay, we're, we're going to talk about this more when we, when we deal with technology and kids, okay, which is coming up. But here's the deal. The Scripture, again, in the wisdom of God, like, gives us this connection. Think about this. Philippians 4. Pretty, pretty familiar passage. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything by what? Which is, which is directed attention, right, to God, who is the good and beautiful. So, so do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer, supplication. Make your... Request known to God, and the peace of Christ that passes all understanding will guard your what? And minds. Okay, in Christ Jesus. And then in case we didn't get the message, verse 8 says what? Whatever is good and true and beautiful, lovely, do what about these things? Think on these things. Because Change happens by your attention. And when you direct your attention, moment by moment, to the good and the beautiful, not only does it open the floodgates of opportunity to connection to God, like Moses, but it also integrates the inner part of you in ways that lead to peace, love, and joy. And when you don't, what are you left with? A world of worry. A world of worry. So what has accelerated the disintegration of the collective mind of our society is the failure to understand the importance of attention. Are you with me on this? I told Dan when we started doing this series, I'm like, this might be the most important thing that I know to say right now to people. Like, so I hope you're listening to me, okay? Like, for whatever it's worth. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Secondly, change happens by attention. If you aren't paying attention to others, love can't be given or received. Philippians 2.4, 2, 2, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in, the, in, in others, okay? in, the, in, the, in the needs of others. Now, this is a learning curve. Because because from age four, or whatever, probably before that in some context, we are taught in every arena to compete. Right? Basically, if I'm not looking out for my interest, who's going to look out for them? However, just think about it for a second. If your attention is consumed on yourself... Is it possible to give or receive love? Because the nature of love is other-centered. Right? It's acting in the, in the goodwill of another person. So if the, if the self-consumption is what is capturing our attention, love dies. Here's what's happening. Like, this is, this is frightening. Relational skills, like there's, there's like a set of 15 of them, building blocks. We learn them in connection to other people. They cannot be learned from screens. No matter how educational the screens are, cannot be learned. Relational skills are disappearing from our society. You want you want to know what happens when relational skills exit a society? You end up with a group of predators. So what happens. Okay, look up at me for a second. Following Jesus is not only about your goodwill; it's about saving the world. Because what Jesus is giving us here is the means by which love flourishes. Love is shared. Where are relational skills learned? They're learned in face-to-face from another person. So we learn to love by being loved. This is going in, you know, not from screens, going in the opposite direction. Okay? So if, if we aren't paying attention to others, love can't be given or received. All right, so... What do we do? Okay, we're building these things on one building blocks, building blocks. Okay, here's the next building block. Two practices that I want to leave with you um, this week to begin to pay attention to your attention, okay? Practice number one, 5, 4, three, two, 1. Hike! No, Five, four, three, two, one relates to your five senses. Remember I said that screens are stealing our sensory memory? So I went out on my deck and tried that this, this week, you know, four or five times, um, where I just go out, and I asked myself the question, how many things out here in the, you know, the beauty of God's world can I see that are good and beautiful, right? Um, and I was like, I got the two. It's pretty bad, right? Two. Um, and then I sat there for a little while. And then I got three, four, five, six, seven. Like I started to notice. Okay? So my, my, it was activating my sight sense. Then I started. To, then I started to sat in stillness, and I started to ask myself, "How many things here can I hear?" Okay? And eventually, I could hear the nuances of the birds and the traffic and, <laughs> and very simple, But I mean, I started picking them out. Okay, how many things can I feel? How many things can I smell? Okay, the goal here is not to get to a number. The goal is to, is again to pay attention. It's to it's to it's to learn this practice that your attention actually is directable and that you're not utilizing it. Okay, remember Moses? You didn't even see the bush. You would have missed God's purpose for his life. Okay, secondly, second practice, just people awareness. Okay? We interact with people every day that we just, that we just look right past. I and mean, I'm guilty of this. My wife started on me early after we got married. She's like, uh, did you know that there was a person in that toll booth? I'm like, there was? Yeah, you gave her money. <laughs> you know, like a living human being that you didn't, you didn't even recognize with your eyes or smile or say hello to, like you didn't care at all? Oh. It was just a toll booth, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, like, and it's just a gas station, it's just the co-workers. Now, here's the question. Do you even know the colors of your spouse's eyes? I'm not going to do a quiz here. Do you notice people how they walk, how they're carrying themselves in the day to like to get a clue for about like, to like maybe how they're doing. The tone of their voice. You ever notice the lines on the people's faces? They they often tell a story. Like, don't you want to know what it is? Like what the facial expressions and you know gestures of somebody. See what I'm saying? Like if we don't begin to notice people, how are we going to love them? How are we going to love them? So, so this will activate, sort of as an antidote, these practices. Some of what we've given away. Follow what I'm saying? Everybody with me? This is no. This is fun. This is not. This is not. Uh, this is not. Like you're not going to get a grade. The point isn't to blow through it. The point is to get into the rhythm of the fact that you have attention. Your mind is a ceaseless flow of activity in every second. And all of that, as a precious resource, is going to be given somewhere. Don't you want to give it to the good and the beautiful? Don't you want to give it to love? Don't you want to live while you live? Don't you want to heal the world in Jesus' name? Yeah, we can do that. Through our attention. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the God who sees us. And Lord, we want to take a minute to see you seeing us. Thank you that you love with incredible attunement. Thank you that you seek. And save those who are lost. Thank you that you are in a relentless pursuit right now of our attention, of our love, Lord. For people out here like like me, like we're denizens of this auto-driven community, twenty-four-seven inundation of noise and screens. God, we're just trying to survive in so many ways. We're broken. It seems so overwhelming and out of control. Would you break this down right now that all you're wanting from us to begin, the, the ignition point, is just this thought and the one after that and the one after that. And I pray that as we tune our minds to you, the source of all that's good and beautiful, as we tune our attention to the beauty that you've put all around us as you, as we begin to see and to hear the people around us. God, would you integrate our minds? Would you transform us? Would you give us well-being? Would you give us peace? Would you make us whole? Would you work in our lives? I pray in Jesus' name.